Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with the vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you, and you're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump, Good morning, and it is time today to acknowledge America's education crisis. That is the headline in AmericanGreatness.com, which is a really wonderful outlet that has some op-eds that are always fantastic and I think a little more in-depth on the subject matter and uh, cover issues that uh, we here at AFR uh, would like to cover. And this is certainly one of them related to the recent Supreme Court ruling regarding college admissions that has once again thrust America's educational system into the spotlight. So this is by Tina Bloom Cohen, who is a Republican running for Congress uh, out of Texas's District 7. And she joins me now. So Tina, um, I, I think that just in general, even before uh, starting to get into the meat of your article. Um, I think all of the parents and grandparents and uh, aunts and uncles who are uh, concerned about uh, their children and, and the children that are close to them would acknowledge that America does have an education crisis. Um, so what is your, your premise uh, here that we should be concerned with? I think that they need to focus on something other than equity. There's, there's really no such thing as equity. You know, when little kids are born, babies are born, they don't know anything. They don't know anything at all. You have to tell them everything, right? So they get into school, and now they're, they're not teaching them what they really need to know how to do. They need to read, and they can't read. So, like, you see this crime crisis going on. It's because they get out of high school, and they can't read, and they can't do math. So they don't want to go to school. A lot of kids are even skipping school because they don't want to deal with this equity stuff. They just want to be kids. They want to go to school. They want to be, have fun and learn. But they're not doing that. So now, let's say, for instance, in college, you might want to go to Harvard. You might want to go to Columbia or any of the Stanford. But if you can't make it at that school, what is the point? doesn't mean you're not smart. It's if you're going to take away, let's say, the SAT scores or any of those kind of things. If you can't pass the SAT or do really well, you're not going to do well in school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and I they think you, you, hit the, yeah, you hit the nail on the Go head ahead. by saying we need to be concerned about teaching, reading, writing, arithmetic, the things that um, are important to succeed instead of being focused on equity. And that is a cultural Marxist principle when we're talking about equity in, in any a subject matter. And of course, uh, those who were following uh, the health orders during the pandemic, for example, a lot of the uh, blue states that were more concerned about what they called health equity instead of actually addressing uh, the health, the genuine health of individuals, um, that comes from cultural Marxism. That is all of all of these different studies that have equity attached, that they're more concerned about demographics and, and equity. 
instead of recognizing what their what service they're actually providing or what they're teaching or a, a genuine uh, health model or a genuine education model. And what's interesting to me as well, Tina, is that um, a lot of these people who are, whether they're the, you know, the BLM activists or they are um, the, these teachers in public education, a lot of them actually say that they are trained cultural Marxists, where they are more concerned about systems that they perceive as being oppressive to certain minority groups uh, than they are genuinely about the subject matter. So in education, they're more concerned about the system and building equity than they are genuinely teaching. And so this goes back to the Supreme Court ruling uh, regarding college admissions. And this is what we saw from all of the leftists that were uh, pushing back and saying, oh, this is terrible with affirmative action now. You know, there won't be another African-American that's going to go to Harvard again. And it's like, well, that, you know, that's so well, utterly why ridiculous. Why is there going to be? Right. And, and are so we really ridiculous. telling? Why aren't they are, going to be that way? Are we really telling young people, Tina, that um, if you are a- of African-American descent, then you won't be intellectual enough and have a high enough SAT score or LSAT or whatever um, score for the admissions test to get into Harvard? Is that what we're saying? Kind of, in a way. I mean, if you're going to – let me t- – in Houston, let's say here at HISD, we, had a, we have a situation where the state of Texas took over the whole school district. And that started with some teachers, nameless. They decided they were going to round up the scores of the tests so that all the kids would pass. Well, they got caught eventually. They went to jail or what have you. But that does absolutely nothing. Then the parents aren't going to know if their child is behind. You're not going to know. You won't know. You take away standardized testing. Oh, that's race. It's not. It's not. How well are they doing in school? Can you read this? Some of them can't even read it. You know, if they have to take a month to get ready for a fourth grade level star test, it, why would you in the world round up the score? Just uh, it's going to hurt their feelings. So it's going to hurt their feelings more when they graduate from high school and they can't read well, really, really well. Do you know what I'm saying? It, yes, it's not and- fair to do that to kids. Yes, and I'm talking all with smart. Tina Bloom-Cohen. absolutely all smart if you think about it. Let's say you have the free lunch line. No child wants to stand in a free lunch line at school. They just don't want to do that. So there's nothing. When I was a little kid, my mom used to pack me a lunch and take it to school or what have you. And they go on this, oh, woe is me, this poor child, this and that. Nobody wants to be the poor child at school. Everybody wants to be. I haven't seen the movie yet, Barbie, right? But if that doesn't <laughs> just scream volumes. Every, every girl really wants to be a Barbie. They want to get dressed up and have fun and go to school, be with their friends. The guys want to be Ken. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see the movie yet, but the girls are just screaming to go out. I want to just be a girl. And everybody just gets to go out and be Barbie. I haven't seen it. I'm going to go see it. I don't know what the movie is about, but the fact that so many girls, so many girls are dressed up like a Barbie, it made me laugh. It made me smile. Ah, see, they're still kids. They're kids. Except for the fact that there's no kids going to see it. They're all adults. So that also speaks volume. 
if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, and, and, and I'm speaking to uh, Tina Bloom-Cohen, who is a Republican running for Congress in Texas District 7. And uh, education is a top priority uh, for you. And you wrote this great piece in American Greatness that's titled, It's Time to Acknowledge America's Education Crisis. And um, and you you weave in to this piece really well, Tina, this discussion of equity and as you're mentioning, the the standardized testing that's not uh, being utilized anymore. And as we're seeing with the Supreme Court now uh, saying that you know, affirmative action has been overruled and, and how that was the model for decades for college admissions, um, even in some law schools, they're now trying to do away with the LSAT and some of these other things that would differentiate uh, between students based on one uniform standard. So I think that they're going to end up, like like the left does with everything else, they'll say, okay, Supreme Court, you're telling us we can't use affirmative action. We'll just call it something else then. And it'll look a little bit different, but the principle will remain the same, and they'll just kind of try to go around it with some of these but other ways and models. But think about it like this. Let's say in terms of equity, if you were going to hire later in the world a lawyer or a doctor or anything like that, you're going to want the best. You're not going to want someone that got in there because of X, Y, and Z. You're going to pick them because they're really good at what they do. So when these kids graduate from college because they got in for whatever reason, okay, we want to pass. Why do you want to pass your loan? Don't you think it's worth something? You have a $250,000 loan if you went to Harvard, or you could have gone to a state school for, what is it, 12000 I don't know what it is at UT. And they're just as good. Both schools are good. But if you can't handle an LSAT, I don't know how. I went to Boston University, and that is a hard school. For somebody to try to go there that can't pass it, I mean, really pass these tests, you're going to struggle so hard. You're just going to be struggling the whole time. That's what I think. You might want your child to be in advanced classes all the time, but some of them just aren't ready for an advanced class. There's nothing wrong with you don't have to be an AP everything. If you can't handle it, your child is just crying all the time because you're pushing whatever. You start them in just regular math, regular, you know, reading. You get it down really, really well. You can really read. Anything you pick up, you can read it. Then you can go on to the next thing. By the time you get to high school, you're confident. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what color you are, any of that kind of stuff. You can read. You can sit through a test, and you can take the test. If you can't read very well, you're not going to make it through the fourth grade star test. You're just not. I'm very much hoping in HSD and our city and everybody's, they go back to the neighborhood schools, you know, where, you know, K through five, they have the neighborhood school right by home. So mom and dad or mom or dad or whoever can go to school. They can go there, watch their kids, have lunch with them, meet the teachers, all that kind of thing. love when mom comes to school, dad comes to school, right? But they live all the way across town. So far away, they're six years, seven years old, they can't come. So they're kind of like, maybe when they get to high school, if they want to go back and forth and back and forth, all that, fine. But all the schools should be really the same. They should be really good. Uh, Some of them are going to be extra good. Let's say Beller High School, my alma mater. That's like the best in Houston. It was. But you can't just cram in, close the neighborhood schools, cram all these kids into the same building. It's a gorgeous building. That it is. But there's too many kids. So if you're not that kind of child, you're going to get lost in that school. You're just going to get lost. 
But if you're a big, yeah, well, and where, you know, whatever, why are we maybe. so concerned about equity instead of basic competence? Because I think you're you're absolutely right that I don't know kids who from. are going through. I have no idea. The kids who are going through a college and university to become, you know, doctors, lawyers, engineers, uh, you know, people who build things and, and people who are going to uh, have literally the lives of other people in their hands like doctors do, like pilots do. Um, you know, my good friend James Lindsay, who is um, a really excellent philosopher, is, is talking uh, continually about this crisis of woke Marxism that's going to end up genuinely affecting our culture because if we base everything off of equity instead of competence and genuine education, then we're going to get people who are in roles that are critical to building things, to performing uh, functions like doctors like pilots that won't be competent with disastrous consequences. And that's a genuine concern, I think, that the left is just disregarding and they think that it's okay that we, and it's even more important, that we build equity into culture instead of competence. And just from a purely logical perspective, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's it's really, a lot of them are struggling. I have never... Another thing that's just wiping them out is the in social media. Oh my goodness! It's like modern day modern bullying. It's straight up bullying. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's not just say no to bullies. This is really you see them online and you see the kind of stuff they put. I I kind of got blocked from Facebook for spreading disinformation. It's not disinformation. Oh, no. <laughs> it's reality, right? And that's fine. Yep. I, you know, it's it's fantasy world. Because in the real world, it, it's just different. But they're so mean, the way people talk to each other. I personally am not used to them. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe they talk. Men and women, people talk like that to each other. But they get so angry. So I think at school, you go to school, and you're trying to get through this whole woke thing without getting in trouble. You're trying to figure out how to write an English paper that the teacher's going to give you a good grade. And they're kind of programmed to write what the teacher wants them to write as opposed to here is the subject, write a 200-word essay to do on Friday. Friday comes around, where is your essay? They don't, nobody's got it. This is the deadline. They don't have deadlines. You have a deadline this day. It's not right. ready. I can't write well, it. And, and like Tina, we'll have, to, we'll have to leave it Just there, but uh, really great comments, okay. and I so appreciate uh, your your article, you can read this at American Greatness, uh, amgreatness.com. The title is It's Time to Acknowledge America's Education Crisis. And I think that parents, especially moving forward, uh, looking at colleges and universities for their kids, why would you send a child to any education system that is not based um, other, that's based on anything other than a biblical and Christian worldview. I think it's even more important now than it even was when I was going to college, not that many years ago, but it seems like a generation ago. So we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back. And we have been talking about the crisis in education in America and how uh, cultural Marxism has really put forward this idea that a lot of 
uh, people in the culture, especially leftists, but unfortunately, if you're not aware of what it is, some Christians and some conservatives are buying into this notion of equity and that we have to make sure that systems are equal and not oppressive to the minorities. And uh, this is a cultural revolution, really. And so uh, joining me now is Michelle Botello, who is a, a Christian conservative who studied law and politics before serving in various public sector capacities and working with special needs children and uh, becoming a mother. And so she also wrote a, a wonderful piece also in American Greatness, if you can sense the theme of today's program that is titled The Cultural Revolution Never Ends. So, Michelle, uh, thanks so much. And, um, you know, you also talk about our educational system um, that has made it a policy to banish wisdom and truth in the name of false justice, pseudo-equity, and a delusional crusade against biology. I think that's a fantastic uh, place to start. So uh, this is a great piece. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on, Jenna. Uh, Absolutely. Yes, this is, um, what's happening in this country is uh, beyond recognition. They are trying to tear us down, and they're doing it child by child, and they're succeeding. So, and it's a little um, unnerving and scary. I, I worked in the public school system. I taught special needs children. Um, I remember, uh, this was a while ago, um, before I took my children out, to homeschool and and again I it's not the teachers the teachers are really wonderful but their hands are tied by government funding and it's getting worse and worse but I remember English classes so-called English classes um, reading and forgive me I forget they they changed the name of English class and I can't even remember what it was but um, ask any middle schooler to define a noun not one could but they knew their carbon footprint so, you know, it started, it started with that, and, you know, and then you had, um, you know, the core curriculum and what have you. So, anyway, I took my children out to homeschool, um, and I noticed a huge difference. And, again, mm-hmm. I worked with wonderful teachers. It's not that. It's just, unfortunately, the funding. And so I, you know, when I wrote this piece, um, I'm actually running for, I just filed to run for um, the U.S. congressional seat in the 5th District of Connecticut. So I'm in a very blue state, a Christian conservative in a very blue state, uh, against Johanna Hayes. And my passion is children. We need to start um, looking after them, the most vulnerable of our societies, you know, children and elderly. We just kind of toss them aside or use them. And so as you started, um, yes, the system, uh, we banish wisdom and truth. We are... um, Transgenderism used to be, um, you know, the fringe of society, if you will. You know, in the 1970s, the Marxist socialists started with um, they started with the economy. They kind of tried to transfer the American economy. Now, this worked in Europe, but it didn't work in America. So they decided to move on to the social issues, and this is what they do. They play on the American guilt. The American people are wonderful people. And, uh, you know, they want to solve the world's problems. And, you know, as a country, as a blessed country, um, we did, if we can. But they're trying to make us um, all one. So I heard you talking about equity as opposed to equality. Equity being they want to make us homogenous, everybody the same, as opposed to the way God made us equal in his image. All You know, equal but different in the sense we all have different characteristics and 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 brains and hearts and and what have you 
Yeah, and different um, aptitudes as well. I mean, you know, I I went into law because I was very fascinated at a young age with the philosophy of law. I loved uh, studying that. I was part of a moot court program in high school. Um, I was homeschooled all the way through, so I really commend you, Michelle, for homeschooling uh-huh. your children. Good. That was the the greatest blessing that my parents uh, gave to me was the ability to be homeschooled and be mentored by parents who taught me uh, right from wrong and, and taught me reading and, and, and math, even though the math part didn't really take cause I was going to law school, but, you know, but, <laughs> but enough to, you know, to, um, to do, to function in, in a society and recognize that opportunity. It, I had to make the best of that. And I wasn't entitled to anything. I, by going and sitting for the LSAT, for example, was my opportunity to perform to the best of my ability. And and I also, you know, my parents also t- taught me that I may not be the best student in the class, and that's okay. As long as I'm doing the best that I could, then God will use me for what he wills. And that my goal and role and responsibility as a student, which, you know, when you're in college full time, that's really your career at that point is being a professional student. And so in law school, my job and and being faithful to the Lord in those years was to do the best that I could. But I, I wasn't supposed to compare myself to the best student or to the worst student either, you know, and feel better because of, you know, where I placed in class versus other people. But to genuinely say my aptitudes and my gifting are what God has given me and I need to use uh, my skill set with the best opportunity to excel uh, with my aptitudes. And we've lost that whole perspective completely when the left places diversity above merit. And when teachers, as, as you write, are being rewarded for being activists instead of teaching truth and telling kids that, you know, it's okay if you are interested in law and not math, or you want to be an engineer, or not a doctor, or, you know, some of these other things, or you want to go and, you know, work with your hands and be be a mechanic and have, you know, th- those, that type of diversity is actually what makes our country run, not based on skin color or 75 genders. I mean, so our children are being taught that the system is broken and that somehow this system these systems with all of these different studies that are really based in cultural Marxism, um, that, that that is somehow oppressive to them. And so now it seems like our young people aren't even trying because they feel so entitled. And it just, it's, it seems so backward, Michelle, in terms of how we need oh. to be teaching our young people. Oh, absolutely. So well put. And that's right. We're taking away merit. Um, instead, we are rewarding teachers to be activists. They're embracing a culture instead of, like, truth and wisdom. Um, and then the results, we get morally confused teachers teaching confused children already, vulnerable children, their false wisdom. And so it's the same as, you know, we've taken God out of this school system. We've taken God out of the country. Um, they need to replace it with something. So they're going to replace it with their type of religion. And, you know, so in the sense, Children are being, you know, children at that age are so vulnerable. It's cool to be, you know, every you know every generation has a, oh, this is cool to do this or what have you. Um, but now it's cool to be transgender. It, it, and we're trying to, I, I'd like to, to make people understand it's not the child that we're against, but it's the actual ism, the transgenderism and the push of that that is wrong. Um, so with children being taught, 
that. They're being taught to hate. They're being divided. And this is all while they're reading, and math scores plummet. Um, we have, um, you know, states like California, Nevada, and my state of Connecticut implementing something called equity grading or equitable grading. So as you put it, um, it downplays hard work in school. It lets kids off by doing, you know, lets kids off of doing their homework or missing deadlines. This is real-life stuff. So when they get a job or try to become a productive citizen, uh, whatever, you know, now I'm hearing a lot. It's funny. I hear a lot on uh, these teenagers talk about um, they have some sort of time syndrome. I, I, I didn't hear. I was, I was a little baffled by what it meant, but it was like they, they're getting uh, people job to me. Bosses are getting upset because they're late, but it's not their fault because they have some sort of syndrome that they're going to be late for work. I mean, this is what we're doing to our country. Where do we expect to be in the future? Um, you know, and teachers have stated about this equitable grading system. Um, it leads to a lack of accountability, and it leads it leads to disincentivizing students. Of course, it's going to. I mean, there's so much more we could talk about. It's we have, and then we have a government, um, the DOJ, of course. You know, targeting and prosecuting, prosecuting parents who try to advocate for their children. Um, and, and I believe why they're doing this is because. Their prime goal is to be the parents, the state above parents and families. I really do. They try, I really believe they're trying to break down the family unit and be the parents of these children, these morally confused children. Uh, so yeah. where do we go from here? I, I'd like to see Republicans start to stand up um, to this. I'd like to see some, you know, some sort of accountability. Um, we really Absolutely. need. I, I think a lot of. People started to um, wake up to this. I think a lot of Americans are starting to wake up to this. Um, I, I, I think the left has gone too far in that sense. And so we got to start getting busy at the state and the local levels, going to legislative meetings and, um, you know, of course, school board meetings. We're seeing the power that's coming from there. It's wonderful. Get Christian conservatives elected. Um, we really need to start bringing back the culture of teaching the Bible Greek and Roman culture, classical knowledge, you know, reasoning, free thinking, questioning. This is what needs to be done in schools again. Uh, take out this activism. And, and you know what? That's going to help a lot in the mental health crisis that we are experiencing. You know, children right now, they're just, they're, they're not emotionally, intellectually, and morally able to handle what is causing their anxiety and their depression, which is, you know, they're, they're being, um, their innocence is being taken away. They're being uh, thrust in some sort of sexual, sexual adult revolution. And it's very unnerving. And I'd like to see uh, yeah. this go away. Really well said. And, um, and I'm speaking with Michelle Batello, who wrote this amazing piece that you really need to read in American Greatness called The Cultural Revolution Never Ends. And and that's so true that that children are being used not only as commodities uh, now with the rise of um, the the next iteration of the sexual revolution that really began in the 50s and 60s that um, is saying that that of course you can have sex without consequences and now um, you know abortion on demand and now uh, children and choosing uh, children as a commodity when we look at um, two uh, homosexual individuals that then want to go out and purchase children basically and and use surrogacy for that purpose I mean we are we are now using children as commodities but now also as pawns in this in 
entire uh, LGBTQ uh, sphere where not only are we teaching and indoctrinating children with concepts that are well above uh, what any child should be exposed to with you know drag queen story time and all of this this uh, pornography that's in schools uh, but also telling them that they need to be part of um, or there is great pressure to be part of some of these other queer themed groups and uh, they need to go out and search for their identity and so it becomes so much more emotion based and ideological based and um, all of this sort of equity that is at the forefront of what we're teaching in public schools, instead of teaching children just the basics of what has always been a traditional education. And, and, and with that, Michelle, you know, the values of family, because, you know, when, when we look at what the Democrat leftists are saying, like Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and everyone down ticket on the Democrat side from them, they are saying openly that the state children belong to the state and at best parents co-parent with the state and that is the complete opposite of what the bible tells us that children are vested to their parents and that parents have a responsibility before god to train up their children in the fear and admonition of the lord the state is not involved in that whatsoever and yet that's what not even public education but government funded education is is teaching parents and parents are willingly going along with this unless they are like you like my parents like so many parents listening now that are willing to say no I'm going to homeschool my children or I'm going to uh, purposefully disengage my children and not allow them to be uh, exposed to this cultural Marxist nonsense even through college because even even in college this is going on, and um, and we only have about a minute left here, Michelle. And I could talk with you, a, you know, a lot longer on this, but I think you are so right that we, as Christian conservatives and and those of us who are Republicans, need to be engaged in the cultural revolution, not just with um, you know whether it's it's school credits or you know some of these policies, but getting down to the worldview ideology that is wrong that's being taught in schools. And so I commend you for running for Congress. And uh, how can people learn more about you and find out about your campaign? Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you, Jenna. Yes. And just just a final thought, too. I believe parents are waking up, which is great. Um, And this is what we have to keep pushing. Um, We have to stand for parents and students. So you can go to michelleforconnecticut.com. And I just kind of started my campaign. So feel free to, again, michelleforconnecticut.com. And lots of prayers, please. I'm in a very blue state. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's, you know, but we need good people running in blue states. Otherwise, you know, and I've heard for some, well, you know, California's just gone and we, you know, there's no hope. There's no hope. But, you know, look at what, at what happened in Florida. No. That was a very that's purple right. state that's that right. now has become right. deeply red based on all of the down ticket. And I, I truly believe that as more parents, more Christians, more conservatives are waking up to the problems in, um, in the people who are leading our government. It starts at the top, but it's also at the state and local level, and it's pervasive. The more that we engage in our government system and we make sure that we are filling those positions with people who understand the biblical worldview, then we can we can reclaim and transform America back to what our founders intended. Mm-hmm. So we will be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. And again, that piece is the cultural revolution never ends. Isn't that so true? 
love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back. And we have been talking throughout the hour about the cultural revolution that uh, really is cultural Marxism that has been promulgated by the leftists, by BLM, by the Democrats, by Kamala Harris. Uh, Very openly this week as she's talking about uh, and lying about, quite frankly, the education system in Florida. And, And this is just another example about how the left is trying to take Uh, education and to use it to their own purposes. And they're trying to place the blame on good Republicans and, uh, for example, in Florida, Ron DeSantis's administration. So listen to what Kamala Harris had to say about the education system in Florida. In the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. They want to replace history with lies. How is it that anyone could suggest that in the midst of these atrocities, that there was any benefit to being subjected to this level of dehumanization? That's what I wanted. So joining me now to respond is Manny Diaz, who is the Education Commissioner of Florida. And Manny, thank you so much for joining me today. And really, it seems like Kamala Harris is the one that's gaslighting here. Am I wrong? Thanks for having me, Jenna. And look, it's unfortunate that the Vice President of the United States took this uh, political cheap shot, took it so opportunistic to come down to Florida and, and, and just plain lie. I mean, let's talk about Florida taking the step of creating uh, independent standards for African-American history. We've always had standards that were embedded in other courses. We took the, the leap of creating com- comprehensive independent standards to talk about the ugliest periods uh, of American history and to talk about uh, the, the periods of slavery, period of Jim Crow, the civil rights movement, and all the atrocities that were committed. When she comes down here, Unequivocally, we, there is no benefit to slavery for slaves. And Dr. Will Allen, who's one of the scholars that prepared this, is a, it was a group of 13 scholars, Jenna, that we put together and spent months working on this to reach consensus, by the way, because we're from different perspectives, different points of view, as you can imagine, to reach consensus and to tell the whole story, right? All of the atrocities, all of the terrible things that happened, but at the same time, the truth about what happened with individuals that were enslaved, African slaves, that had the resiliency, that had the character, that had the will, the strength, to despite all of this happening to them, uh, at the same time, were able to figure out a way uh, to acquire some of these skills and, and figure out a way to move forward. And that's the story of perseverance, uh, the story of resiliency. At no point is it a benefit of slavery, but the stories of these individuals need to be told as, the, as part of the whole story, along with all of the atrocities and, and again, it's going on simultaneously. So this is happening to these individuals. And at the same time, uh, you, you tell the story of their resiliency. So, you know, leave it to Kamala Harris to come and try to gaslight uh, and, and try to uh, do this in, in Florida when, you know, it's one of uh, probably uh, the dozen states that has individual African-American history standards that if you anybody who looks at these standards sees that they're comprehensive, they were developed uh, methodically and thoughtfully by a, by a work group of scholars, uh, not something that we stepped in and tried to edit or whitewash. We, uh, we wanted everything to be covered 
unvarnished truths. And, and then it's unfortunate that Kamala Harris tries to turn this into an opportunity to score political points, cheap political points, with, with plain out lies. Uh, yeah, and, and this just is so insulting, frankly, to America's history, which, of course, is not perfect, like any aspect of world history or human history. Uh, man is fallen and, and has committed atrocities. And and we need to teach our children history with an understanding that there were people who persevered and were courageous in their time and tell those stories and not just forget history or teach it in a way in a from a vantage point that is going back and rewriting history in the light most favorable to the leftists and their preferred political view. Um, so, so I'm talking with Manny Diaz, who is the Education Commissioner of Florida. Uh, what is really the goal here for people like Kamala Harris and, and her in particular to take this kind of cheap shot at Florida? It, is it that she doesn't want this to be taught or is it more just because it's a Republican versus Democrat thing and she has to try to pretend that there's something going on that's wrong in how Florida is trying to have these educational standards? Well, the White House administration, this White House administration is clearly obsessed with Florida. They're obsessed with Governor Ron DeSantis. And I think the fact that it is Florida and it is where Governor Ron DeSantis is the governor, they've decided to take this political cheap shot um, and and try to really uh, ignore the work of these 13 scholars of putting these very comprehensive standards and benchmarks together that go deep into the real story. So it's unfortunate that this White House has decided to try to score cheap political points on this and ignoring the facts and and just decided to tell a lie. But unfortunately, Jenna, it's not surprising from this White House administration. Mm, Yeah, really, really true. And it's and it is so unfortunate that as as inarticulate as Kamala Harris is. And I was expecting, frankly, a a few more cackles in that clip that we played, uh, but that she she is perpetuating these lies and and this myth that. Uh, the educational standards in Florida are somehow improper. And and I think for parents who have sat back and have watched this happen in uh, in Virginia and, and with the, the rise of parents going to their school board meetings and with everything that was going on uh, in the midterm elections that I think really led to uh, the election of uh, Governor Yunkin, um, and now with what's going on uh, specifically in Florida and especially with uh, Governor DeSantis and how much I, I think you're right that the left just hates how much success he has had in Florida by bringing back um, American standards and and good moral standards. Um, what would you encourage uh, parents who live in other states um, to to look at in terms of their education system and what uh, should be done so that we can have a better um, education system in in other states that can mirror Florida and the success that you've had with these scholars and actually just bringing back genuine history instead of this type of cultural Marxism that is a a lie and a false ideology that the leftists are trying to perpetuate? Well, look, clearly the steps that Governor DeSantis has led on, and he, he was very clear, is number one, what the advice is: You got to get parental rights. You got to get parental rights to allow parents to be not only at school board meetings, but to, to have transparency on what materials are being brought into the schools, what their children are being exposed to. So they're taxpayers and parents; they're paying for this. They need to be able to have access and know what the materials that are being taught. 
and not listen to the narrative that the educational elite knows better. Uh, in, in Florida, we don't, we don't, you know, our parents don't co-parent with the government. Government, so that's what I. That's one of the things. Number two, to 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 pass legislation like Governor DeSantis did and led and said, we're going to teach our students the truth. We're going to teach unvarnished history. We're not going, but we're not going to allow indoctrination with modern theories that are in vogue to try to slant or to try to teach students to hate our country or to hate each other. We're going to learn the actual history that occurred, the ugliest parts of it, because we need to understand that uh, without trying to place the blame or to teach students to hate each other uh, in their classrooms. Um, And I think it's important that if you look at those three points and then you add school choice, right, because you have the parent parental rights and transparency where parents see what's going on. They have the right to opine on it. And then you have uh, you, you, you have um, the transparency in the curriculum and making sure that accurate history is taught and that the materials are not teaching students to hate each other or hate our country. But how do you hold them accountable besides the law is school choice, Jenna. So, you know, under Governor DeSantis, he has that this is the largest school choice expansion and now the largest school choice program in the country here in Florida with universal educational savings accounts. And that's how you allow parents then to hold these schools accountable, not only by showing up at school board meetings and and by being present, but also if school districts don't do what they need to do for the parents' needs, they have the ability to take those dollars and educate their child in a better setting. So that's the accountability piece. That's the formula uh, uh, that Governor DeSantis has implemented in Florida successfully. And I think that's what other states need to look at. Yeah, and, and, and I commend you so highly, uh, you and Governor DeSantis, for leading on this and to fund students, not systems, until uh, to give parents the tools and the opportunity and to have the law back them uh, with parental rights and school choice. And uh, for parents who are listening that, that maybe don't know some of these um, types of pitfalls of where the left is trying to encroach upon parental rights. And and I love that you say that the state doesn't co-parent with parents. That's absolutely true. Uh, Where should parents be looking for those encroachments from the state so that they can fight back, they can stand up for parental rights, and they can uh, acknowledge and, and they can actually see where that encroachment is coming from? Number one, transparency in curriculum. If, they, if they're trying to keep you from seeing what's being uh, taught in the classroom, what the materials are, that, that is number one encroachment right there. Number two, when there's change of services, whether it's, you know, you're going to start calling a student by a different pronoun or a different name, the parent needs to be informed. Here in Florida, thanks to the leadership of Governor DeSantis, we changed the law where you can't allow the, stu- the school just to have services changed on a student, a minor student, and not have the parent included in those decisions. And unfortunately, there were incidents that occurred in Florida that led to the change in that law, thanks to the leadership of Governor DeSantis. So you have to have curriculum transparency. You have to be able to see what's being taught, not this take my word for it because we're the educational elite. You have to have be included in any changes in services uh, and, and understand that. And again, you have to be able, it goes along with the transparency of the curriculum and all of that, to be able to see the books that are being placed in the library and, and just be aware, you know, in Florida, we do have a process where parents or community members can object to a book because of pornographic nature or just blatantly having uh, critical race theory. And it goes through a local process. However, the importance of that is to have a process to have parents be able to have access when there's transparency and accountability. People tend to 
accordingly. And sometimes, Jenna, I will tell you, sometimes it's an agenda, but sometimes it's uh, carelessness or incompetence where you order a bunch of books and you're not paying attention when you're putting on the shelf. And, and ultimately that ends up where you have a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old having access to a book with, with graphic pictures of it, of a sexual nature, which should never happen. And so it's not about banning books or anything like that. It's about to have accountability and transparency so that everybody's aware of what's going on. Right. And, and that just sounds um, so obvious. And that sounds like it should be uh, the the right and responsibility, and I would say the, the duty of parents to be engaged and to participate in that process instead of being shut out. And that has been yet another myth uh, that the left, I think, has perpetuated and, and has gaslighted about the state of Florida that I've seen in the media of, you know, oh, Florida is just about banning books. And they show these pictures of the empty bookshelves and saying, you know, look at this. Uh, they're they're trying to, to ban um, access to uh, important content for children uh, when that hasn't been true at all in the state of Florida? At all. Not only that, the governor, uh, I was able to join the governor for a press conference where he showed a video of all of these things, the empty shelves and all of that that you're talking about. When we, you know, when you get creating these myths and when you get to the bottom of it, the empty shelves were uh, a, a picture created by teachers unions or others to try to create that, you know, that perspective. But in reality, what they were doing is putting the books back in the shelf like they do it every year at the library to make sure everything's in order, to make sure that outdated books are removed. And yes, there is a process, but if you look at the material, the books that were removed through that process locally, it was so shameful that the media outlets covering that press conference cut their feed because they were afraid of being fined by the FCC. So you're afraid of being fined by the FCC, but it's okay to have these books on the shelf for minors. Uh, This is the kind of gaslighting that occurs. So in Florida, we don't ban any books. Yes, there's a law that allows for a local process for parents and community members to object to books at their school board, and they have to go to a review process. Sometimes those books are moved to um, a section or to a school where older students have access to it because they're age appropriate. Sometimes they're removed because they just have clear pornographic material in them, which is not acceptable in a school. In fact, the other thing that Jen Williams and I see is that I, I see these school board meetings where People have come to the school board meetings to speak and to show the, 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 the materials in the books, and the school board has tried to shut them down, saying it's not appropriate to have that discussion there. It's not appropriate to have that discussion there to show what's going on. How is it appropriate to have those books with our students in the classroom? So, you know, one of the funny things is, uh, you know, there was a tweet from Randy Weingarten trying to say, for picturing the myth, saying Florida has banned to kill a mockingbird, only to find out in our response that what we showed was that in our standards, our recommended reading list for high school includes To Kill a Mockingbird. So you can see where this this goes right along with the lies from Kamala Harris. This goes right along with the lies from Randy Weingarten. They're trying to perpetuate this thing and try to create this, this myth. And again, it's an obsession with Florida and an obsession with Governor DeSantis. Yes, it, and and I really appreci- appreciate uh, Manny Diaz your um, your acknowledgement of the governor's firm leadership in Florida on all of these issues uh, legislatively, and then in the administration uh, with your. Uh, education leadership as well. And so thank you for what you were doing in Florida. Um, I'm a new resident of Florida because I appreciate so much uh, the leadership that your administration and the, the governor's administration has shown. So continue to stand up and fight for parents. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, you can reach me
me here, Jenna, at AFR.net, and we will be back tomorrow morning with more on Jenna Ellis in the morning.